Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Big Little Life with the Dashleys. You guys, today, I am so excited that you're here because you're about to hear a conversation that we just had with Oakley Peterson. Man, I it, what an inspirational and just optimistic conversation we had around Oakley's experience raising a child with Down syndrome. Uh, she's a thought leader in the community. Her blog, Nothing Down About It, and Instagram page has inspired thousands around the world. A lot of you probably already know who she is, but here's just a little overview before we dive into our conversation. When Oakley found out that her newborn son, Wells, had Down syndrome, she was overwhelmed by the news. She struggled for the first month, unsure how to raise a child with Down syndrome, but as her son grew, Oakley's strength, positivity, and pure love for her son compelled her to become an advocate for him and the entire Down Syndrome community through her blog, Nothing Down About It. Oakley is a mother to two other kids as well, Scarlett and Ames, and is married to the love of her life, Scott. So without further ado, let's dive into our conversation with Oakley. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We're here with Oakley. She's our old neighbor, but we still live kind of close. I We were super sad to move leave that area I because I felt like we were on the verge of becoming really close friends. And then we, <laughs> we moved still away are. and it never happened. But it can still happen. Yeah, it can. It's like a five minute drive. So you're still not even. We can still be friends. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we Anyways, wanted- we're super excited to have you here with us and to tell a story about your journey. Um, yeah. A lot of our followers already follow you as well on Instagram, nothing down about it. And like we put out the the message that we were going to have you on the podcast and so many people sent in like, oh, I love her. She's oh, so inspiring. Yay. I wrote down a few, so oh, cool. I'll, I'll quote them later. But <laughs> just so you know, like you're loved across many Instagram platforms. Oh, I love it. And I'm just so excited to have you on because I feel like a lot of people are probably like me. I have a cousin with Down syndrome and I still don't necessarily know how to, I have so many questions and I don't know how to like talk about it right. without being offensive oh, or I'm it's sure just like a never. very or like hesitant I don't want to be hesitant I just want to I want to I'm excited to yeah. learn more about it too and I know that you're like a thought leader in this area and so we're just excited to hear more about your story just starting from the beginning you know how you met your husband Scott and then dive into you know your first child and then when you discovered that you had Wells with Down syndrome and, and just hear right. that whole story so we're excited to hear it from yeah you. I love that you're saying this because I think this is how a lot of people feel like they see it they know it's like a, a wonderful thing but it is different from what your family experiences uh -huh. so it's I want people that's kind of our whole purpose is to make people feel like yeah ask away approach. Like don't be shy around, you know, um, these different abilities and kids with different needs, but unless you know it, you just don't know it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I love that you guys, you know, spoke to that. So let's start kind of from your beginning and then we'll save time at the end for all of the questions. We got so many. We got, we got a lot of questions from you guys. So just know that those are coming and we're just going to hear Oakley's story first. Let's cool. just start. Where are you from? I'm from Northern California. Oh, you're okay. Yeah. So I'm from the Sacramento area and I moved out here for school. Um, gosh, did you go to BYU? I didn't go to BYU. Where did you go? I wasn't that smarty of a pants. That was my husband. <laughs> I didn't get in first either. You know, I, I actually, transferred in. I'm not going to lie. I didn't apply because um, I had gone to school in Sacramento for a little bit. Some of my credits weren't going to transfer over. So I was like, I'm just going to go to UVU and then maybe finish up there. And guess, guess what guys? I didn't, but you know what? Maybe later. Maybe I'll go back to school. Maybe I'll go to BYU. I am a big BYU fan. When yeah. you live out of state and you love Utah, you're a big BYU fan. Mm -hmm. So my husband's like the biggest of big. You'll see our flag flying every football game, even if they're 
the biggest losers of the season, <laughs> which has been the case. Which many has been the case since I came to Utah. <laughs> yes. We're a house divided. Dallin went for a year to the U oh, and we lived there. That was our first house when we got married. And it was campus. like living. No As way. BYU I graduate. felt like a fallen angel living at the <laughs> yes. University of Utah campus. Yeah. It's a weird feeling because at BYU, it's stupid, but you kind of get this yes. weird like. This BYU pride. There's just pride and hatred. And it was really <laughs> a different feeling for me to live amongst the <laughs> enemy. I will say, uh, my sister chose the U over BYU, got into both. And anyways, we're a family. We we are fans of both now. We have come to peace with both both schools. Both are good. <laughs> yeah. They're great. Both yes. are going to heaven. If you l- love BYU for being You're like, BYU, I wouldn't go that far. Dallin. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you need a good football team, the U is probably the one to stand it's, behind. Yeah. So true. is that where you met your husband? Um, yeah, we were in the same um, apartment complex. You know, we're kind of a product of the system in Provo. I, every apartment I moved to, I was just like, maybe this is the one where I'll meet my husband. <laughs> I have Emily Father, what apartment happened. complex am I supposed to live in to oh meet my, my husband? Oh my gosh, I love that. You guys must have a heavy LD, like members of the church following. Um, no, everybody knows that we're members okay. of the church, but no, there's a lot of everybody. If they don't, they're like, faith. what are they what are talking, talking about? <laughs> so weird. You moved to apartment complexes to me. I didn't Stop move with did. the intent to move. I just thought I would probably meet a boyfriend or a husband at college. And yeah. I kept being like, maybe this is the apartment complex. Maybe. My parents met. They did the same thing. They lived in the same apartment complex. So I always thought that was how it happened. Oh, that's, that's funny. funny. And it didn't happen that way for me. Yeah, it did for us. But I will say we didn't, it was not like love at first sight. I mean, I feel bad saying that because I think it was more so that way for Scott. He asked um, a couple different friends to set us up. We had a few mutual friends and I had no idea. He was more shy and introverted and I was a kind of a social butterfly and um, I would see him at things and um, he was, you know, so handsome and wonderful, but I was kind of dating around and enjoying myself and he asked for us to be set up. So we did, and we went on a few dates and had mm-hmm. a great time, but I was like still interested in dating around and not dating one person. And so it took about a year and then we became really good friends. Our groups of friends became good friends. And, um, I started love doing activities and things with him, but, um, not realizing that it was kind of, a like that it was becoming a romantic feeling until I saw some other girl in our group like him and he looked like he was liking her back. I still oh. remember I went to his apartment and we were going to watch a show or something together with a bunch of friends in like the office or something. Mm-hmm. And she was rubbing his back while he was sitting on the floor. And I just remember being like, what? what Scott is Peterson is supposed to like me, not her. <laughs> and that's when that jealousy, I hate that the game worked, but the game worked on me. So then I had to kind of chase him back around. And anyways, we kind of played the back and forth thing. So it took us about a year and a half to really start dating. And then from there about, you know, another, I don't know, nine months until we got married. Nice. I feel like Dallin and I were both Scots and we were both kind of like shy about getting together (laughs) or Uh just committing. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't think either of us were like the social butterfly who was like super brave. Yeah. Like the I first time we that. said, I love you. It was like, I think I love everything about you. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Was like, no eye I contact. So too. Yeah. yeah. I was definitely more of a talker. I think that's why it took me so long because I wasn't going to make any first moves and Scott was a little more shy, but I still remember after a few dates, he got up the courage and he, we were hugging at my doorstep and I could feel his heart beating so fast. And I looked at him and I said, are you going to kiss me? 
I said that to Dallas. <laughs> we were like yeah. cuddling on a couch. Well, you probably did it better than I did because he just looked at me and said, well, should I? And I said, no. Oh, oh. you said no? <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. I just wasn't like ready to like, I didn't kiss boys unless I was like ready to, uh-huh. you know, like kind of, I don't know. It took me a minute to warm up to the idea of. I was so like that, but then I didn't kiss anyone until I was like 23. And oh. then I had to change my ways. I was like, this is over. <laughs> and then I became a little bit less. Of a kissing queen? A little, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, that's funny. I say that about Scott because he didn't kiss anyone until he got home from his mission for the church. He was 21 and then he made up for lost time and he's kissed like three of my friends. <laughs> and we st- we like vacation with them and stuff and I love to bring it up and make it so awkward <laughs> and tease them. But hey, that's all like good now. Dallin's mom and her sister both dated each other's husband. Was that what it was? Um, yeah. Well, they kind of passed husbands around. My aunt was dating my dad first, and but then passed oh him to my, my mom. Gosh, and my mom hilarious. was dating a guy who passed him to her sister, and now they're married, and my mom's married. Yeah, so... It's a whole circle. Uh-huh. You guys, Mormons aren't that weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was a small town This happened or before something. they were married, okay? <laughs> before. Yeah. I know. It's just, like, so funny how, like, in the world of, like, you know, religious dating, the pool's kind of small, so everybody kind of has dated each other, you know? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not as... You know, when you want to date someone of the same faith, it's kind of like your options are, you know, not, I, want, I don't want to say limited, but they kind of no, are. No, I mean, like you're hanging out with the same people. Exactly. It's, they're all good options. There's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're in the same pools, a lot of the same pools. Yeah. But anyways, we ended up, you know, falling very madly in love once we decided we were ready for that. And um, I felt like we knew each other super well because we had this great friendship base and he'd seen all my sides and I'd seen all his and... You know, it was like a pretty great first year of marriage. We were ready at that point. And anyways, so yeah, we were married for about, I want to say two, yeah, two years before we got pregnant and had Scarlett. And so she was our, I still remember crying in her ultrasound because I wanted a boy so bad. (laughs) Because we had all sisters and I was just so excited about, I really felt like she was a boy and then she wasn't. And then she was the spiciest, most fun little girl. And that was a blast. That's Um, how, sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. But like, I thought every one of our kids was the opposite gender. I have done the same thing. And when you find out, it's almost like you have to mourn that child you imagined. Yes. You're so excited, but you're also... Exactly. I had names and I had thoughts. I got to reroute my whole process here. these things. And then it was kind of like they just died. Right. And, or you just have to wait a little longer. (laughs) That got heavy fast. Not died, (laughs) but you just have to shift. You have to shift, which is funny. I'll talk about that in a second because that's how, that's very much how I describe our our situation with Wells' birth. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, she was one, and I decided when she was one, let's do this again. Like, this is great. She, I want my, my sister and I are 14 months apart, and we are so close. And I was like, I want that for my kids. So, um, and we were able to get pregnant again very quickly. Um, and so she and Wells are actually just shy of 20 months apart. And I didn't know that. Yeah. He's so little. George I and know. James are 18 months apart, our it's kids. It's so fun. It is. Now that James is running around. They and were on accident, though. We didn't plan that. We didn't plan that, but now it's it's awesome. We're glad it, it happened that no, way. No, same. See, because that's kind of, Ames was, our last is our accident baby. And, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And I was not prepared because Wells was not crawling yet when I found out all these yeah, things. Yeah, that's a whole nother. But he and um, Wells and Ames are 27 months apart, and everyone thinks they're like twins, but because Scarlett has grown so much and cognitively and in every area and Wells kind of still seems um not baby like but kind of toddler like and so it's taken um 
anyways, it's just interesting how that worked because for a while they were so close in age and now the gap has, it's mm-hmm. more obvious um, as they get older. But, um, oh, so you have three kids. There's yeah. Scarlett, Scarlett Wells, Wells, and, and Ames. Ames. Yes. I got you. Okay. So, so you had Scarlett. Things are going good. Yeah. And then so you decided to have another Let's do baby. This again. Talk Why about not? that. Right. So we decided to have another baby. I thought it was a girl this time. Uh-huh. And then in the ultrasound, it was a boy. And we were thrilled over the moon, excited. Like, I mean, I would pull out pictures of Scott as a child, you know, this blonde haired, blue eyed <laughs> boy. I was so, I even like would have these dreams and I was so sure of how his personality was going to be. And I, Scott is such a like easy, wonderful man, like just very, um, even keel content. And I, Scarlett is spicy like mice. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm going to have, you know, it's so funny how we do this as parents. Like we right. plan out what our kids are going to be like. I don't like. think doubt. I don't know if men do this, but I, did you do this? Nope. I did it con- like all nine months. It's just like, oh, she's going to be like, oh, she's moving a lot. She's going to be athletic. Yeah. Oh, she's going to be a, she's going to be feisty. I can feel her in there. And then they come out and they're just the, the one thing that we've learned so much since parenting, especially Wells, but actually we've learned this so much from our other kids, almost equally as much is just to not put so many expectations around motherhood and, and parenting mm-hmm. and, and on life because none of our kids have been um, exactly the way we thought they would be. Mm-hmm. None of them, not, not Scarlett, not Ames. And I like to say all kids have special needs yeah. because Wells is not the only kid who needs things um, in a, in a particular way. Right. They all have different needs that are not, um, you know, that's how I felt as a teacher. Like I was, parent them all the same by parenting them differently. Right. right. Like kind of how the saying goes as a yeah. teacher. I got certified in ESOL, like English as a second language for children mm-hmm. who were in a, an English school and maybe they'd come from another country or their parents spoke Spanish or their parents spoke whatever. Salt Lake has a ton of refugee populations Mm -hmm. and the things they taught me the whole time, I just would think this is what every kid needs. Like every kid would need like a catered plan or like a special education thing. This is Um, a big problem. Like the ESOL would be the best for every child. Like this, the more yeah. like Thinking using more manipulatives same, yeah. and using more pictures and right. just being more intentional with your teaching, it would have been great. It's great for all kids and not just kids who need more help. Right. And that that's the thing is like, I feel like Wells taught us this because Scarlett and Wells were so close in age. I kind of, um, I, so I realized quickly, well, I'll, I'll finish Wells burst during a second, but I realized quickly with Wells once he was born, um, that his needs that are, we were going to have to shift expectations and reroute kind of our thought process on, um, you know, what his life was going to look like. Um, and I learned that immediately with him, right? Because mm-hmm. it's very obvious. And it took me a couple of years to learn that that's the way I needed to be thinking about my daughter too, because yeah. I had still set this expectation for, and I still catch myself doing it. Whereas nothing has gone typically for any of my kids. Like what I mean by typically, like Scarlett has had struggles in school. Um, We've had a behavioral specialist at certain points. Um, She's very emotional and overly analytical and has had some um, behavioral problems early on. She's great now and thriving. And I'm seeing that it was really a personality that I just didn't know how to handle. So I sought out this behavioral specialist where I really... Um, which is a great thing to do, by the way, I'm not discouraging it, but I really could have stepped back and just said, no, you need to shift how you're thinking about Mm -hmm. each situation and and some of her struggles instead of thinking something's wrong with what I'm saying is each of my kids has taught me something. Ames is very delayed verbally. Um, and communication has led to a lot of frustration with him. He's very introverted, um, trying to understand his 
thoughts and feelings has been a lot harder and he's almost four. And that's, that's very different from the other four-year-old peers in his class. Uh So what I'm saying is all of our kids are going to have different needs, right? So I, I don't know how I got on that. No, I love should have been for later. We love tangents. But um, yeah, I definitely feel like it's made me such a better mom. And I feel so lucky that I got to learn this early on. That's what I love about your platform though. You're not I love learning about your life with, with Wells and, and how you're making that work and how you're making that beautiful and how you're sharing how great that can be. But I also love how open you are about all of your kids and, and even just like your journey as a mother, understanding each of their personalities. Stay tuned for more Big Little Life with the Dashleys. Yeah, because we do put so many expectations on mother and and more than ever, we're seeing so much, right? Like when our parents were parenting, they didn't have anyone to compare to the way we do. I mean, it's like a billion fold Mm -hmm. now, right? We can see someone who looks like they're doing it all right just by opening our phone or by, you know... it, we live in a very different world now. And so um, we put way more pressures on ourselves and on our kids than I think has ever been done before. So I feel like it's been a huge blessing, not because um, of the Down syndrome, which is a huge blessing in and of itself, but also it just taught me to look at things differently with each of my kids. Yeah. Yeah. I and remember it, when you got, when you were talking about a behavioral therapist for Scarlett, uh-huh. Dallin and I just had George had just turned two and we had no idea what to do with our baby who just turned into a monster, a two year old who (laughs) loved us 30% of the time and was just so unhappy 70% of the time. And I just remember being like, Oakley went to a behavioral therapist, like Oakley, who's this great mother asked for help. And then we've since then looked up like resources and been so much more open about reading books. And we have a family therapist that we visit now. Like and not being ashamed awesome. that it didn't yeah, come naturally to us. Yeah, we're not ashamed that we're right. not like the beacon of parenthood. Because it doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come naturally to anybody. Like mm-hmm. some parts will, right? We all have different strengths and different um, like natural abilities to do some things really wonderfully and beautifully and, um, and some things not. And that's okay. But it needs to be talked about a little bit more. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, parenting is a really tricky world. You learn a lot about yourself and it's sometimes disappointing and scary. Yeah. I know. But it's also really and cool to yeah. see yourself progress and to like become this person. I feel like a super person. Like I feel like I have superpowers because of parenting um, in ways because I've watched myself fail and learn new things. And I'm like, man, this must be what like a killer entrepreneur feels <laughs> like. I'm accomplishing things and I feel really good about it and I'm failing a lot and just learning from that and just learning to like get comfortable in your skin and be like all right I'm good at some things and I'm not Mm -hmm. good at other things but recognizing that acknowledging that and then moving forward and not beating ourselves up for things anyways I love that I love all of that and tangents are welcome here in this podcast I'm really good at tangents I get why you go on speaking things now oh my heck well I don't know anyways so I I went off on so so we anyways leading up to his birth, I decorated this whole like, nur- well, I had gotten all this stuff for this nursery, like all this navy blue, like modern kind of fun, cool stuff. Anyways, he was born um, and it was a very fast and, and difficult labor, or I shouldn't say it was very, um, they had given me the wrong medication and I was throwing up and anyways, it was oh. fast, hard. Um, had you known by this point already that oh, he- Oh no. Oh, okay. Mm-mm. Okay. They you just knew it was a boy. Is there no, 
There is testing. The ju- when they do your a blood, is it a, the, oh, they a ask you test? for a test and you can say yes or no, right? Yes. So that was the quad screening, which has been around for a long time. And we did do it just because I didn't even know what it was. I yeah. just said, yeah, do all the stuff you do, you know. And they called me and said, hey, we tested for, you know, Down syndrome and all these other things. And it all came back normal. So blah, blah, blah. Wow. So um, that. So you were not expecting it at all? Oh, no. No, not at all. Nope. I was expecting a very normal, typical labor and delivery, just like we'd had with Scarlett. You know, we, it was quick. It was fast. He was out. I had just thrown up a snicker bar that I'd shoved in my mouth on the way to the <laughs> hospital. Cause I'm like, I know they're not going to let me once I get there. I'm yeah. eat. There's a reason. <laughs> yeah, I know. Didn't think about that. Just shoved the snicker bar. in, so I threw, I still can't even look at snicker bars. Anyways, it was a rough labor. It was fast. He came out. Um, I noticed he was like, Scarlett was really long and skinny, kind of this like long gangly alien baby, like mm-hmm. a lot of them. Right. Uh-huh. And Wells was kind of shorter and plumpier and stout, but I didn't think anything of it. Um, I know some people who have kids with down, and they notice right away. Like I did not have a clue. Um, I just thought, I remember seeing his hands and they were really stubby, yeah. which, you know, people with Down syndrome, they do have these stubby, cute little hands. That's a pretty common thread. Um, but I didn't think anything about it. Um, and he latched on and I was sitting there loving it. Um, loving, you know, the whole just that euphoric moment mm-hmm. um, with Scott. And I noticed the nurses were kind of whispering and looked a little concerned, but I was thinking this has got to be about something else because he's doing great. Um, and then they came over and said, did you test for Down syndrome? And I just said, yeah, yeah. They said, and the results were what? Because they were thinking maybe that doctor, my doctor was out of town, so it was a doctor that came in and oh. delivered. Maybe the doctor didn't know, but maybe we knew, um, but we had no idea. So they were trying to feel us out to see if we knew, you know? Yeah. And I said, nope. They didn't, and um, they said, "Okay, well, we think you need to be have him looked at. We think we think that." Which I found out since nurses aren't supposed to say, I think, but right. anyway, they're not supposed to make a diagnosis or anything, right? But we didn't have our doctor there. This was a sub doctor, and he left immediately after. So I think they were like, "What do we do?" Like I don't know if they know, but um, they said, "Let's can we take him to the neonatologist?" And I just thought oh my gosh, why are they ruining this? This is my moment. Like, he's fine. I'm very much an optimist, very much like everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge worrier with these type of things. And anyway, so they said, we're just going to take him for a minute. So they took him, Scott followed and went with them and they um, went to the neonatologist. And so I was sitting there literally still not worried, thinking they're going to come back and say, so sorry, we alarmed you everything's fine. Uh-huh. So I sat there for a minute, um, you know, texting my family, he's born, he's here. This is his weight. Like literally not a concern still at this point. And then it kind of slowly set in like within the next few minutes, just sitting there by myself. And I thought I better, I said, can you get me in a wheelchair? I just need to, I want to see my, and then I got really anxious. I want to see my son. I want to see, I want to see where he is. I don't, I, I want to, and I got kind of up, like worked up. Like what if something's wrong? Yeah. So, cause it was taking a minute and I saw Scott coming down the hall and all that image will like, it still makes me so emotional just watching him come down the hall and I could see his just white as a ghost, tears in his eyes. And he just walked over and said, yeah, I think he is honey and it's going to be okay. And I just lost it. Sorry. I still get so emotional thinking about that. It was such a tender moment of like seeing when you see your husband, who's like usually the even keel strong, you know. Scott, I think I'd seen him cry like one or two times in our marriage and seen, I could tell, you know, something was concerning him and he was scared. Um, and seeing him in that vulnerable state just shook me to my core. And, um, they said he, they're 99% sure and it's going to be okay. 
He just kept saying, it's going to be okay. But I could tell even he wasn't sure it was going to be okay. You know, when you Mm -hmm. can see that, like he was trying to reassure me, but I could tell he didn't know. And we just went to my room and we just cried. I mean, I can't even remember that day. I think we just cried the entire day. My face was swollen for a full week. Just fear, just overcome with because you just fear you've only ever heard little snippets of things of right. that must be so hard or yeah. she's such a strong mom or they're doing a good job. Well, like you just hear little things about. I didn't have a lot of exposure. We actually had volunteered together when we were dating um, for an organization called United Angels, which now I'm on the board of. Yeah, but we don't we um we had interacted very short periods of time and thought that was fun. They're so cute. You know, that was awesome. But I didn't know anything about, I didn't know if it was something I had done while I was pregnant. I didn't know how long the life expectancy was. All of these things were like flooding me of all these unknowns were just so overwhelming, so daunting. And like you said earlier, when you're talking about the gender, that's how I felt like, and I hate to say this because I never want to take away from people who have a stillbirth or who have lost a child, but it felt very much like Mm -hmm. I had lost something like that child that I had dreamt up for you know, months and months was gone. And it was weird because I was like, where's my baby? Like, I felt so protective and connected to this baby. But but wait a minute, this wasn't the baby I was going to have, but this is my baby and I love this baby. But where is that other baby? Like, just this mind game of like, wait, I have to like mourn this for a minute. It was really difficult, very heavy. And it felt that way. Um, it felt that way for the, Scott literally 24 hours later was like looking up special Olympics and getting all excited. He was fine. <laughs> literally it took him 24 hours and he was good, which I do notice with new parents. There's one that is more prepared and one that is not. And Scott was like, all right, we got this. This will be fine. And to me, this was our boy who Scott was going to do all the daddy son things with. And like, this was our first boy. And like, this isn't what I thought we were having. I literally had to return all the stuff I bought from his nursery, all the clothes I'd bought because that child was gone. And it felt like, I felt like I couldn't see those things. I had pictured such a diff. It's so silly now that I think about it, mm-hmm. but I, I had to, I, I returned everything. I got like this baby blue stuff. Everything had to be very angelic. The situation felt different, so different mm-hmm. from what I was expecting. It felt like a loss but it didn't take me long to, and I still, I will fully admit it. It was about a month of me crying every single day in the bathtub for about a half hour. Um, I'd go to the NICU and back and then it came back. He was in the NICU only for two weeks, which is great. Um, just for oxygen. And I mean, I cried every day for the first month of the bathtub with with my child. Let's be honest. We all do this. I actually got a little bluesy with Scarlett. This was very different. Like I didn't feel the bluesiness. I think heavenly father, like lifted that from me it Mm -hmm. didn't feel postpartum me it just felt heavy it's so scary anyways with a typical child I remember Dallin came in to the room once right after we had George and I was sobbing and I was sobbing because I just kept saying he's gonna leave me one day and he's not gonna be here yes our mommy minds go so irrational and I can't think of the fear I would have for a child with down syndrome thinking someone might be mean to him one day Mm -hmm. or someone might like look, even just look at him a certain way. Right. Like I can't even imagine someone looking at, like being mean to George. It makes right. me cry. I know. And just we're knowing, such moms. We're sitting here tearing yeah. up. I know. That and is, just knowing that's in his path, like some adver- adversity that totally. you can't protect him from. Yeah. And I've since learned so much. Like now I'm realizing, cause kids happen to mean to him. There's a kid on the bus every day that says something kind of snarky to him. Um, you know, why does he wear a diaper? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. or you stop, stop, you know, he tells him to stop doing things. And, um, and I, 
and I just see how it doesn't affect Wells the way it, the funny thing is my, the fears that I had for Wells have shifted to fears that I have for my other kids because Wells just lives to love. Like he's totally like not affected by the things that affect me and affect us in the way we like our, our mom hearts, um, or affect would affect my daughter or my other son. He moves on. He's like, he's like here to love everyone and to be a light and to teach everybody love and kindness. He's like here for the party. So he doesn't stay things personally, right? Like all these fears and it still hurts me and it will always hurt me if I see someone being unkind. But actually what I notice and notice about all of our other peers and buddies with down syndrome is that, um, people are typically more kind to, they're very kind Mm -hmm. to them. They want, they feel that light. They want to include them. They want them around. Um, I think there's more of that than the other side that I was so worried about. Do you know what I mean? Uh So it's like any, it's like somebody said, um, if you had a textbook that said, George is going to have this and this problem or my, and I'm not saying George or any child is going to experiment with drugs or maybe get pregnant, you know, out of wedlock or like, if, would you be like, oh man, I don't want this one. No, it's our kid, right? Uh They're all going to have adversity. They're all going to have challenges and struggles. And that's just part of life. So Wells might be more obvious, like his struggles might be more obvious. The fact that, you know, he's going to potty train later or, you know, his speech, some people won't understand him as well, or that he might not be like get a master's in business or whatever that those might be like, and maybe he will, by the way, there is a woman with Down syndrome right now that I um, was talking to someone at a conference about who is getting a master's, which is pretty incredible. Um, And that's such a fear, but like, my my sister didn't graduate from college and she's killing it and you didn't either yeah right? here's and the you're thing killing who it. the flip cares yeah like it's right? just college it's what do you really want for your kids like stop and think about that for a second what do you really want in life for your kids ultimately like them to be happy kind productive members of society does it matter how Dallin and I are just getting to the point where we're like, what do we even want for ourselves? Like <laughs> exactly. we graduated from college, we got married, we had kids and we're still kind You're of, killer we're happy, but we're right? still <laughs> just like That's searching awesome. for joy or happiness but where see, we feel empty in some places. And it's just, and like Wells won't feel like some of the emptiness that I know my other kids will feel more strongly. Uh-huh. Like, do you know that like he's kind of figured out what makes he's kind of got people happy there's something so and i'm sorry if you're not religious and this can you don't have to you can think of it in any way you want but to me there's something so divine about down syndrome specifically um all special needs in um have something like this but for down syndrome what i feel is like how how do they like it's so medically unexplained i mean the process you know the 21st chromosome all that that's easy to understand and explain but like why do they um why are they typically more loving like why are they typically um like kinder softer people why are they like and they have their moments like wells has meltdowns for sure wells has hit kids you know wells has done sneaker things but overall he's a freaking happy person like if i gave I read this book and the mom said she gave one daughter like all these things for her Chris on her Christmas list, the other daughter, um, something else. And then the son who had down syndrome, um, batteries, cause he liked to change the batteries and all the smoke detectors and remotes and stuff. And that like, <laughs> and he was the only one who was completely happy with his presence on Christmas. Like the kind of things that like we really want for our kids. Wells was born with like mm-hmm. score. Wow. I don't have to do anything. Right. I do. I do. But I mean, 
like we will push him. He'll ex- like, I will make sure I just went to um, meet with um, adults who are in college programs and universities. And I want him to have all the opportunities, but like the things that I want in my core for him, he kind of has built into him. Just the ability to make yeah. beautiful relationships and yeah. to like follow his passions and to find right. joy. That's what Dallin, Dallin and I this year, we're just like, some we are missing something in our life and it was just friends it's wells yeah it's probably you wells. just need wells to need come wells. over yeah. <laughs> just needed, it's hard for us to make really good friends and i think it's oh, hard yeah. for everyone to do that yeah and like wells will never have an issue doing that right and some kids with down syndrome will like there are adults with down syndrome that i've heard say that they're lonely or that you know but like overall they're happy people that's just a f- unexplainable fact about down syndrome and they definitely and sometimes they have a dual diagnosis with autism and other things that um kind of make some things different about their down syndrome if that mm-hmm. makes sense um but they all have their own beautiful like lives to live in their own beautiful story to tell and journey to have and I just, and I'm a total optimist but I just am like any parent of a kid with special needs like it it's your choice to make it a beautiful life or not uh-huh. Like there's going to be challenges, but guess what? Your other kids are going to give you challenges too. And to be honest with you, the ones my other kids are going to give me, I know are going to be more difficult. I know it's going to be more difficult when they're teenagers and there's different obstacles because this world is Wells got a lot going rock. on. Wells will be their rock uh-huh. too, right? Yeah. He's kind of like the built-in rock in our home. And like, how lucky are we that we get to have that? It's such an amazing thing. So while it was also scary in the beginning, my perspective quick, like the things I was so worried about, I thought for sure, I I remember crying saying, he'll never be an empty nest. We'll never be empty nesters. He'll never move out. You know, he'll never have kids. He'll never have meaningful relationships and date and things like that. That's what you hear. Those are the things you hear. Right. Because, and it's so cool that you can just be yeah, like, but now no. I'm like, wait a minute. These aren't true. He could totally have a girlfriend. He could totally get married. There are lots of individuals with Down syndrome that get married. He could totally move out. Mm-hmm. Like I just went to this program I was talking about with uh, Ruby's Rainbow who gives scholarships to um, adults with Down syndrome to go to college. And one of the girls lives completely on her own without roommates. My cousin Emily has Down syndrome and she's going to slay the world. Like, yeah, she's out. She's a cheerleader at her high school right oh, now. That's like, awesome. I have no doubt that she's going to probably go to college and yeah, like have a job and she's, she's going to kill it. Sure. And you know, like Wells college experience will be very different from other kids. Like, um, you know, I did notice that this, 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 um, conference I went to, like all of these individuals with different abilities, it wasn't just down syndrome. So there was, um, all different abilities. Um, they, you know, they have these programs in some universities. It needs to be in a lot more where they come to their level and they like learn things, that are actually things that are interest them and things that they're, and they, they cater it to them. And and there's so many programs now that there weren't even 10, 15 years ago. This is a great day and age to raise a kid with different needs. It's pretty, it's, we're pretty lucky. I feel like he was born at a really cool time. That is so neat. That's awesome. Wow. A lot of I just love, I love hearing your perspective. Cause I like, I, I was like, you, I have a very little, people um, just don't talk about, Oh yeah, I don't, I haven't heard it talked about much. And I have like preconceived notions that it just must be so hard, quote unquote. And like, I just love hearing your perspective and how, how it's made you a happier, more positive person and how Wells like has happiness built into it. And it's so true. Like, like every person with Down syndrome that I've seen or met, um, they just have like a light about them that is really special. There is a special light. Yeah. yeah. And so, man, it's, it's really inspiring just, to hear these things from you. Yeah. It's fun to Thanks. like when you would hear that someone had a baby who had down syndrome, yeah. your first Initial emotion was sadness oh, and I'm it sorry. shouldn't be. Or I got so many people telling yeah. me, I'm sorry. Like, I'm so sorry, but it should be. Yeah. 
like that's your message i feel like like yeah don't be sorry welcome be to this don't like amazing sorry. adventure and, yeah and you're gonna be so happy um i had i had one woman an older woman continuously apologize when we had wells and tell us how sorry she was and um you know last year her son um overdosed and passed away from drug addiction like i just feel like don't be sorry like we all have different things like then I the tables turned and I felt so sorry and sad for her and that is something to feel sorry for obviously but I'm just saying don't look at people with special needs or different abilities and and feel pity for them this is what their family's meant to have this is what they're meant to have and I I understand sometimes it can be very difficult to um to comprehend like that that's a beautiful thing but it is for us like we would not trade that extra chromosome for anything we love down syndrome we are so grateful to have it and um like i said all different abilities have different struggles um but i think you can decide to love you know and you can have bad days where you feel sorry for yourself that's totally acceptable and expected as well there are days where i sit on the floor crying because i can't understand what he's asking me for and he's crying and i know he wants something and i know he knows what he wants and i can't help him um, there's days when I see, you know, on his little binder from school, Wells ran again today, not a great day, blah, blah, blah. And I wish his educators would understand things about him a little better. Or I wish that the school systems would, um, cater a little bit more or, or shift some perspectives that there's still a lot of fighting that needs to be done for inclusion and for other mm -hmm. things. There are trials. I am not going to pretend like it's all rainbows and butterflies, but again, like what kid doesn't have trials and what a lucky position we get to be in to fight for something, to fight for something so that's so wonderful and that we know is, and then to teach the world about these things like that. I kind of feel like that's my duty as a mother is to help pave the way and teach people how to respond um, to these beautiful souls that are just different. And just because it's unfamiliar doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean it's scary. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, like I said at the beginning, so many people were excited to hear that we were doing a podcast uh, with you. Like one of the first comments that we got was somebody, I'll just read it here. Let me pull it up real quick. They said specifically it was, um, Hannah K. Sheldon. I followed her forever and they are amazing and adorable. And CM Thurman said, Oakley is amazing. The light she has shown on, on down syndrome is just awe inspiring. Oh, so, so many you really are doing like you're oh, doing that so in the yeah. community. We did a question box, you know, on Instagram yeah. and yeah. so many of the answers were just, I don't have a question. I just love Oakley. Oh. I, I don't have a question. <laughs> I just love them. Oh, yeah. that's so, so you're, kind. it's a beautiful thing that you're doing for oh, the community and, and just for parents everywhere. Uh, is now a good time to dive into a few of the questions that they sure. had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sweet. All right. So here is the first one. I feel like maybe just, don't just do anonymous probably. Yeah. I didn't put their okay. names. Um, I, I feel like we've, we've talked about this already, but maybe just to recap real quick, what is the most positive part about being a parent to a child with special needs? Um, I think the most positive part for our family is what it does for the siblings. And if they don't have siblings, cousins or friends, what, what it does for the community. Um, it just, there's such a good, it's like a built in lesson in our home. Wells teach us to, it teaches us to slow down, to appreciate the little things, to celebrate the small victories. Like when he learns a new word, my daughter's like, yes, like well Aww. said this, you know, and <laughs> she's a cheerleader. She's learning to fight for, um, people who, who need you know, someone to step up for them. She's learning compassion and kindness. And like, that is such an incredible thing to have just built into our family. It's, it's lucky. It, it takes a lot of the, the pressure off me. Yeah. yeah. I don't have to teach her. She's figuring, no, she's we have a three-year-old and we're right. always like, how do we teach him to just be a good friend or how mm -hmm. do we teach him yeah. 
to be kind or to share or to look look at someone who needs his help and to right. be a helper. Right. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah, really neat. It is cool. Okay. Here's the next one. Um, what are the top three things you wish everybody who is unfamiliar with Down syndrome knew? Hmm. Okay. Um, they're capable. So don't underestimate him. Like I hate it when I see teachers and people baby him because I'm like, no, 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 no. He's capable. Like they're capable individuals. Um, and all on different levels, of course. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, there is a spectrum, right? A huge. Just like there is with your two kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they're just because they're two kids with Down syndrome does not mean they're going to have the same strengths and weaknesses. They're very different. All one from another, just like any other typical child. Uh-huh. Um, but so, yeah, number one would be to um, they're they're capable. Number two is um, don't don't feel sorry for them. You know, don't pity them for who they are. They're happy with who they are. You know, I think. I, there was a Harvard uh, tangent. You ready? Mm-hmm. So there was a study. I believe it was it was either at Yale or Harvard, but they found that ninety eight percent of people with Down syndrome were happy with the way they wouldn't change what they looked like. They wouldn't change who they were. They wouldn't change who their family was. Like that's a huge percentage of people compared who are to happy. the average of the United States. What what do you think that answer would be? Just like me. Like I'm like honestly like. In the teens, maybe. I yeah, mean, that's a that's huge percentage amazing. of people that say, I, I, they asked them, who would you want to be if you could be anybody? And they said, like most of these adults and kids and it was all ages and they interviewed their whole families and they said, me, I want to, I want to be me. Oh, and they found that families that. with Down syndrome, um, are typically have, anyways, it was a big study, but they were happy with who they were. Don't pity them. They're happy with who they are. Okay. So yeah, don't pity them. Um, don't. Underestimate, underestimate, underestimate them. them. And um, one thing I really want people to know is to approach them. If your kid has questions, uh-huh. um, like say George is like, what's what's wrong with them, right? Because I see that a lot. A kid pointing and I hate it when I, and I, I shouldn't say I hate it, but I'm always sad when I see the mom say, shh, shh, you know, and try yeah. to redirect and not make eye contact. No, 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 you can make eye contact. You can say, oh, I don't know. Let's go ask him like, what, or let's go ask him. I don't, or nothing's wrong with him. Let's go ask him what he likes to do. What's the, uh, let's ask what his name is and how old he is. And when a mom comes up and says, hey, how old are you? And Wells doesn't respond. And mm-hmm. I step in and say, you know, he's six. And, you know, he understands some questions right now. Still not very many because he's still figuring it out. And, you know, he'll get there on his own time. Um, but I want people to know, approach us. Approach me as a mom and say, you know, let let me help form that little relationship between these kids. And Or even if an adult has questions, you can ask, like, I'm so willing and ready and excited to talk to people. Who's not excited to talk about their kid, for mm-hmm. one thing? Right. But... Don't be afraid to approach these families with different abilities and not just Down syndrome, any ability and, and, and show that family like, Hey, I want to connect with you. I want my kid to learn from you. You know, yeah. does that make sense? Like, don't yeah, be afraid that. to form those connections. Because like you, cause you, like you said, you get some weird looks or pointing sometime and it's just yeah, like, sure. you want to help educate. And or like I saw a little boy at the school or, um, sorry, not, I saw my friend, um, who has two daughters with Down syndrome, one biological and one adopted at the pool. Some little boy swam up to her daughter and said, Oh, you're scary. Aww. And he looked at the other daughter and said, Oh, you're scary too. And his mom wasn't even close by, but my friend was able to say, Oh no, she's not scary. This is what she like. Don't be afraid to let your kids come talk and play. Like we want to take these, like introducing them and helping them become familiar is only going to help society as a whole, except Mm -hmm. people with different abilities offer, you know, help them someday when they form these little relationships, remember that kid and say, oh, I'd love to hire somebody with a different ability, or I'd love to, you know, volunteer in um, the school program for, you know, kids with different abilities or whatever, you know, 
it kind of yeah. like like get familiar with it. Don't be afraid. Get comfortable with people and um, families who have kids with different abilities. Yeah, I think okay. my first reaction is to be like, oh, I don't want to bother them. Yeah, I feel don't like think they that way. they get that question all the time, and no, yeah. I want to treat them like nothing's wrong, and that usually means like I don't know what to do, so I just don't really engage or something, right? Because I don't want to offend Which or bug. Feels so much more isolating. Because uh-huh. imagine how many people feel that way. You know, like I would imagine you get more just people looking away or pe- than people right. saying mean things. Well, luckily I'm not a shy mom, and yeah. if you're not going to engage with me, and I see your kid pointing enough, I'll walk over there and say, "Hey, buddy, you want to you want to meet Wells?" <laughs> you know? Yeah, cool. Well, that's I, awesome. I, I, I'm a little overly proactive in that department. Well, that's but. great. I think everybody wants it in the end. No, you I know? think uh-huh. that's good. To, I would have never guessed that. that and would that's be why one so many people things. follow you on Instagram. I'm a, You're a thought I'm leader. A little like overbearing. That. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool. Okay, uh, here's a good one. This uh, talk about the stress that it put on your marriage, if if it did, and uh, like at the beginning, and how it's affecting your marriage today, and how you guys, how are you guys uh, keeping your marriage strong? Um, yeah. The, yeah. I like that. Um, so. Um, and I, because I know a lot of people will be listening to this with different kids with different abilities, um, different special needs is a common phrase a lot of people will understand. Um, I don't want to keep saying how Down I'm not saying Down syndrome is better than other different, you know, special needs. But I did read a study that said um, families with Down syndrome have stronger marriages. But I know that that can be different in the special needs community. And honestly, I think that that could be very dependent on you and what your family dynamic is like and what your expectations are. Um, for us, it's definitely, Wells has definitely brought us so much closer together, our family as a whole. But I have felt stress on our marriage for sure um, from some challenges with our other two kids, especially our, we, we did go through a phase where our oldest was really difficult and literally every argument in our marriage was a result of something I felt like very strongly we should be doing or shouldn't be doing. And, you know, um, an argument around that mm-hmm. kids bring stress to marriage period. Right. No, when, for sure. And when your That's kid has me. like some challenges of any sort, I will say, I don't feel like Wells challenges have brought any stress to our marriage thus far. He's only six. Like so more than any average kid. Um, yeah. If, in fact, I think he's been really good for our marriage That's in so, so cool. many ways. But um, like there are times where he's just, we'll sit on the couch and actually the bishop, um, the bishop up on the stand one day said, I love how I saw Wells stand between you two sitting in the pew and just pull your heads together. Wells is like always Aww. in the middle and wanting everyone to love. That's so awesome. he hasn't hurt our marriage at all. I will say though, we've had stressful points in our marriage because of some struggles with our oldest when she was a little younger. Um, and I used to, I used to be really careful about talking about this. Like, I don't want her to someday, but someday if she hears this or something like this, I'm going to be like, yeah, you were kind of a pain in the butt for a while. You're great mm-hmm. now, but you really had to, you really stretched us and we grew from some of those challenges we had with you. I'm just kidding. I, yeah, but, I wish, but I'm yeah. also kind of I wish not. I knew that I was a pain in the, I wish I knew more but laundry like, things that I did when fights, I was a kid. Our fights, most of Dallin and I's fights or like 60% of them are how, have to do with the kids. Like how, right. how we have different ideas or we don't right. know how both of us don't know how to do it. And we're both drawing at straws and totally trying to figure things out. Totally. It's just hard. And when it gets to the point where like, you know, I mean, I, I'm sh- I, I can't even think about like the teenage stuff. I'm sure there's going to be, um, strains as we get to those ages, but some of the strains that, um, you know, our oldest put on our marriage, um, I think it was okay to just be like, you know, I think it's okay to, for one thing, I think it's okay for your kids to see you disagree mm-hmm. as long as they see resolve at the end. Right. So we always make sure to resolve it visibly. Um, 
That's but a good thing. yeah, yeah, I think it's important that kids see that parents don't always get along. Uh-huh. Then they have a very unrealistic expectation when they go into those relationships later. But um, there was definitely some strain here and there. But I will say some things that we do, we pray together. That for sure brings us together. We try really hard to read some scripture together. <laughs> but uh-huh. we are religious about date night. Like we do it every week. We get babysitters every weekend and we go on a date. I need Is to talk Friday? to you about your go-to babysitters. Yeah. That we will have that conversation. <laughs> I shouldn't put their their phone numbers on the air, yeah. but I will tell you. <laughs> um, we go Friday, Saturday, whenever we can make it work. We pick a day and we, we do it. And we've gone on a couple um, weekender things that mm-hmm. have been really good for us. You forget how much you like each other when there's people crawling all over you all the time. You just forget who you are without kids almost. You do. And I know that it's shifts, right? Like Uh when they're teenagers, like I love it when teenage parents are like, oh, just wait. I'm like, okay, I know it's going to be hard. But right now I feel like I have, my boys are cognitively acting like twins. My daughter is very um, strong willed and I'm exhausted and nobody can do anything for themselves. I'm physically Mm -hmm. and emotionally done and I have no room for my spouse, right? That's how we feel a lot in this phase. I know when you get older, it's a different kind of strain, but there's definitely that strain of just like, I'm, I'm spent right now. Um, and, and, and and so that might be in part to Wells a little bit sometimes just with all the therapies and doctor's appointments, which really aren't that bad. He has speech therapy every week and they come to our house and we have like every six months we have like ENT and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. blood draws and, but, um, sure there could be strains there just because, you know, he's an escape artist and well, that's stressful. He's gotten out I of the see house. every once in a while on your Instagram, like he ran out yes. of the house last night. Yes. Or even when we go places like that, that's probably the biggest stress right now that Wells oh, is on us. When like we go places, together. traveling, wedding receptions, he's always trying to bolt and we're always trying to find him. We're always worried, you know, he's getting into something or, you know, I've been at the park. You were on a tripper, I think. And we went to the park down by Nielsen's. Oh, and yes. your babysitters were there with your kids. Yeah. And Wells is a hundred miles <laughs> yes. an hour and yes. they're just kind of circling the perimeter. Right. Like <laughs> we've learned what our limits are, where to go and kind of like where our activities are, but there's always events, family things where, you know, that's stressful for I sure. I would look up and I would see him, they would be looking for him and I'd see him watching them looking yeah. for him. He's a total stinker yeah. with that. Oh, so I would say that's, um, making sure we get that time to connect and you have to separate. If you can't afford to do date nights regularly, I would say Friday nights, you get the kids down earlier and you sit and play cards or something where you can talk. You, you know, you make dinner together, but you separate yourself from your kids weekly. I think that's really important. So Mm -hmm. if that means getting your kids down earlier or getting up earlier and having, you know, you know, morning time together, either way, somehow having that time alone is just, so important even when you don't feel like it even when you're annoyed with the other person Mm -hmm. it's important time yeah all right uh here's the next one um what are some good ways to deal with meltdowns and overstimulation this could be for wells and just parenting in general i'm taking notes right now okay i would say overstimulation this could be from a parent of somebody who has maybe some sensory there were a few questions about uh parents with specifically children with down syndrome asking about overstimulation but also all children i think yeah. Answer for maybe answer. talk sure. about answer first and then all children. For well, like it, it'll apply. It will apply for all children because if your kid gets overstimulated, like we, we are a on the go family. We always have been. We um, I'm not um, we like to do spontaneous things, which 
um, everybody said that's going to be hard when you had a, when we had Wells because they like routine and they like um, so a lot of times a lot of our friends have a hard time with um, too many stimulants. But Wells is pretty adapted to that. Like he's actually I think like stimulant. He loves Disneyland. He loves parks. He loves big groups. But I, a lot of our friends aren't. And I would say it's okay to just not do things that don't work for your family. Don't put pressure on yourself to go to Disneyland if you've got that kid who's going to hate it the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, Or also, here's a thought, and I used to feel so sad about this, but we have friends who have, like the ones who have two daughters with Down syndrome. One of her daughters with Down syndrome loves Disneyland. Her other daughter has sensory processing. She hates those environments. So dad stays home and mom takes the the rest of the kids to Disneyland. And I know that that sounds sad, but that's, you can ease them into these things. Don't feel like you have to do it all right now. Don't put your pressure on yourself to be a certain kind of family and do certain activities. Find things that work for your family. Find really fun family bonding activities to do in the home. Find games and things that everybody in the home is comfortable with and do those. And then those Things that, you know, you want to experience with your other kids, do them. Mm -hmm. That's okay. That's great for them to get that time where they have more of your attention, right? Don't feel guilty that you're not bringing that kid along to do the things. Like if they hate going to the mall or the splash pad, don't feel like you have to. Set up a hose in the backyard, do that family activity together. And then when you have, you know, that that child who doesn't like that overstimulation, um, take your other kids. Take those opportunities to like do things separately. As long as you're doing those things that bond your family together at home as well. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do things that we know we walk into knowing they're going to be a fail. And also that attitude probably doesn't help sometimes too, but don't, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Just do your best, do what works for your family. Don't worry about what everyone thinks you should be doing or what you should be exposing your child to. You do what works for you. Man, power statements. Up and down. And I hope that that's not a disappointing answer because oh. I don't think it's like something you can ease them into it. Do slow, slowly have a couple kids over that are louder, you know, slowly ease them into those activities, but don't book a trip to Disneyland if you know that your kid's going to hate it and it's going to be hell for the whole family that week, you know? Yeah. Kind of on the same plane. I know you had some help with a behavioral therapist. Yeah. Cause you had, I forgot the phrase you used, but I thought when you said it, I was like, that's George. Mm-hmm. Um, what a highly emotional. Yeah. yeah what's highly your, emotional. what are your tips for like child, highly emotional children? With you're not a Meltdowns. parent who okay. understands that. Okay. So, um, Scarlett was a high, she is a, since that gap has kind of closed with her where her emotions. And so this is the way the therapist told me she's so analytical. It's like, she's three years older in her head, but her emotions are down here. So she wants these things that somebody three years older than her should want and to do these activities and to be explained and treated this way. I feel like her emotions aren't there. And that gap has slowly closed. The seventh Mm -hmm. year of her life has been a good year. She's almost eight um, and she's much, but she still is impulsive. She still has meltdowns way less, way less. And we're way, it's way um, better reasoning with her expectations, setting expectations for those kids. So I, and and like I said, I'm not a huge planner. So I would be like, okay, jump in the car. Hey, somebody just called and wants to do play date. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Get your shoes on. Scarlett, let's go. And she'd be like, oh, like just this freeze and meltdown when I would like 
ask her to do things at the last second or um, when I would say, hey, you can't go until you do this. Oh, somebody came and knocked at the door, wants her to go play. You can't go until you've done A, B, and C. What it should be, what, what has what I've learned so much, and this has been a difficult lesson for me because I'm not a naturally organized planner of a person, but helping her understand charts with um, like, okay, so my be- uh, this is taking a lot longer to explain, but basically helping them understand their day before it happens. Okay. So planning. So saying, George, tomorrow you're going to have to do this in the morning before you can do this. Uh-huh. And you're going to have to eat this before you can eat this. And we're going to have to go on these errands. And I know sitting in the car is not fun, but when we get home, we get to do this mm-hmm. so that tomorrow he knows what's coming. And it was a lot easier. Life got a lot easier when I remembered to do that with Scarlett. Like Scarlett, tomorrow, kids, it's summertime. Someone's going to knock on the door in the morning and want you to play. And I want you to know that you like to sleep in. So you can't play first thing when they're ready to play because they've probably already done their chores or their summer packet of homework. So you just need to remember if you want to wake up earlier, you have to do these, you know, you can do right. A, B, and C, but it has to be, you have to accomplish, like putting the Just ball more on the, in their court. Like you can do that, George, but first we have to do these things. You know, as long as it's within reason, like give me an example of something he would melt down about. It's exactly <sighs> what you're saying. Like just changing things up or. He's very. Uh, here's one. Doing something. Doing. Yeah. Transition. So like he, yep. he definitely like when we tell him something's coming or like give him a warning before we actually do it or change, change. The- it's a game changer. Have you seen Daniel Tiger where they make a plan? Mm-hmm. Like he's told us to Daniel do that. Tiger. There's a lot behind Daniel the, the Daniel Tiger University. In my Daniel mind. Tiger's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's my, almost time to go, so choose one more thing to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my, my youngest always sings, it's okay to feel sad. <laughs> so every time yeah. he's sad, he sings that song. But yes, transitions. Okay, so if you want to edit everything out, you can. No. I'm going to sum it up right here. Transitions are important for kids. Knowing what to expect ahead of time. Spontaneous parenting is can be very difficult for kids that struggle with transitions or that struggle with... Um, meltdowns, a lot of times it's because we haven't set the right expectations for them. So be very intentional about their next. This is so hard for me. I can't even tell you. I love to do things at the last second. I love uh-huh. to say, That's hey, too. let's go do this. Let's go on a road trip tonight. Like, why not? Uh-huh. Is it just long that they don't know what let's go means kind of? And you, it's more like you need to say, let's get our shoes. Let's get in the car. Poss- yeah. Depending on the age, that could be the uh-huh. issue or the cognitive ability at that point. But a lot of it is just like mapping it out. We had this behavioral specialist that made this beautiful, um, and there, I can't remember the name of the website, but you could Google it. And it was a chart and it had Velcro on it and it literally planned her day out. So she could see after this is this. And after this is this. So like one little card would be getting dressed and ready in the morning. So whatever that morning routine you've set for your family, they know that that has to happen before they can do the next thing, which is to eat breakfast or whatever. And then after that, and you can break it down so small, or you could make it bigger, like, okay, chore in the morning. You don't have to map out everything if they've already got a morning routine down, but you know, chore before playing or homework before friends or whatever it is. Um, but so that they can see kind of a roadmap of their day that helps a lot with transitions and a lot with meltdowns, visual kids are very visual. Mm -hmm. So, and then they, they can see like, sometimes I would say to Scarlett, like, you know, do you see this as long as you can take there, you know, this was when she was cognitively aware enough to know if you can take 30 minutes to do this activity, then we can do this. But if it takes longer than the timer and I'll show her the timer. And by the way, I have one of those timers that actually shows like with, um, 
it's like red all the way around and it slowly gets smaller and smaller so they can visually see the timing. That's mm-hmm. cool. So as long as you can do that before the red runs out, then we can do the next activity. But if we don't, we can't, then we have to go to the next step. Like just being like having a conversation with them. Some kids are really like, they just need to know mm-hmm. that um, that feeling of no control is very difficult for them. So helping them um, feel like they can see, they can move the Velcro things with you in the morning and that feeling of control and helping plan out their day will help them with those transitions. Mm-hmm. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. I, I'm curious about this timer. I think that yeah, I'll, I'll, they're on They're so easy to find. They're on Amazon. Um, I'm trying to think of what it's called. I'll get back to you on that. Cool. All right. There's one more question. Uh, and it is, where do you go or what resources do you have for like helping out as, uh, like for Wells growth and development? And then, and along with like, what are your plans for helping, helping map out Wells's future? Okay. So, um, growth and development, I have a lot of moms come to me and say, you know, um, oh, I just feel so bad. I feel like I should have this therapy and this, ther- this therapy, the most important thing for their development and their like environment is you in your sanity. So don't sign them up for every therapy if it's going to run you so thin that you can't give them what they need at the end of the day. So for us right now, speech is really important. I want him to communicate whether that be through signs or um, actual speaking or whatever. He's speaking really well. He's he's made a big jump this year. Um, so we do speech therapy. I don't have time for OT, occupational or physical. Right now, they do a little bit of that in school with him. Um, but, you know, I would say bite off what you can chew. So if right now you're, you have a lot of extra time or this is your first child and you're very all in right now and you can give them that, then you can do all the therapies. But I really think they're going to learn just the most from being, having siblings or being around other peers. Typical peer um, mentors are really helpful. Mm-hmm. Inclusion in the school system um, is, is wonderful as long as, you know, that's, that's a whole can of worms there, but, um, you know, yeah. Wells is partially included right now on his track to be fully included. Um, I actually just got um, railed by on by a mom who thinks he should be fully included. But you got to decide as a parent what is going to work best for your child, making sure they're getting that inclusion from peers and from siblings and from whatever um, peer mentoring is going to be huge for their development. I would say the best thing for Wells' development has been his sister and brother um, and his cousins. He spends a lot of time around um other peers that have been really helpful for him. But I also think, okay, this is going on a tangent. I'm sorry. I also see a We have a sound button for a tangent. Sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going. I just (laughs) hope I find it along the way. That is like, that should be, I should carry that around with me. I'm like, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. But um, as far as like inclusion and um, education and, okay, so as far as like relationships go, for Wells and what's going to help him develop me developmentally. I also see so much um, beauty and importance in his different ability friendships, his friendships of people who also have different needs, um, special needs or whatever. Um, Those friendships are really important too. But I think the peer mentoring, making sure they're getting a balance of, you know, different um, audiences and people and um, play groups and activities is huge for development. I would say that in some, but some have, um, you know, 
um, like if they have autism, like a dual diagnosis or even just autism, sometimes that's a little more difficult for them. So I would say at their level, at their pace, whatever is comfortable for them and pushing them a little bit out of their comfort zone, um, to help them developmentally relationships are really important. I think, um, Mm -hmm. I think do the therapies you can. Um, I always feel like Wells is so lucky. Not all kids have siblings, but for us, Wells is so lucky because it's like he has these built-in, this built-in therapy with his siblings. So don't stress yourself out or spread yourself too thin. Don't worry so much about, um, you know, stay on top of it for sure. Push them. Um, make sure you're going into their IEPs at school and and seeing setting the goals that you really want them to accomplish. But also, um, be a, like be you be your best self by not overdoing it too. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about resources for you as a mom? I'm very involved with moms. Yeah. That's my, I love that. That's the best thing. One of the best things, one of the top three things I would say about being in this community is the community. Yeah. Um, I found a lot of other moms. I know a lot of moms that are shy though, and it's hard for them to jump into their community and to make those friendships. And that always breaks my heart. I'd say, get out of your comfort zone, try to meet other moms, whether that be online, on Facebook groups, try to do meetups, try to find people that you feel like understand this unique journey um, the way you do. Um, and and even for them, it'll look different than it does from yours, but you will have that common commonality and that is such an incredible bond and relationship. And it's so important as we go through this journey that we kind of have each other. It's really special. Cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so like just bite off what you can chew and doing the best for your child's development and then for the mom, the, for the parents, care of yourself too. take care yeah. of yourself and then find community. Yeah. Sorry. In a million words, I said that. <laughs> I yeah, keep forgetting all, you're talking about parents who have children with with a special ability. Yeah. I keep feeling like this is great advice. It's great advice it is. for anyone. That's the thing. This applies across the board. If you have a, like, even if you have a kid that's highly emotional, like, like I said, all kids have special needs. So finding other moms that you can connect with that, you know, being motherhood is a sacred place to me. And those relationships are sacred. If I feel like there's moms in a group that are trying to outshine or tell you you're doing things wrong or make you walk away feeling like you're not, then that's not the kind of, people you should be surrounding yourself with. Make sure you're surrounding yourself with mom friends and dad friends. This is important for men as well. Mm-hmm. Um, to to be in, in, in places that give you that light and power that you walk away feeling your cup is full and you're, you've you're got, not alone. You're not alone and you've got ideas to bounce off of each other and um, you're building your own communities in every form of parenting. This is not just applying to Wells and, and his pals. You know, this applies to everybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, this has been a really good hour. Thank you so much for taking yeah, your time sorry, and, I, uh, and hanging out. Chatty, chat, chat. Well, that's why you've been amazing. <laughs> it it's could like be three hours. You're a great podcast. Totally could. Uh-huh. I'm like, wait. So what else, guys? What are we gonna talk about now? <laughs> oh wait, I have to pick up my kid in ten minutes. Dang okay. It. Yeah. Oh shoot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's end this here so she can go pick up her kid. Thank yes. you again to Oakley. Um, the nothing down about it is is Oakley's Instagram. Go yeah. follow her there. I uh, just love following her whole family. We're on and Facebook too. We're not quite as active on Facebook. And on Facebook, same there. nothing down about it on Facebook. Nothing down about it. Anywhere else? I don't even want to tell people to go to my blog because we, <laughs> we pay no attention there. So don't even bother. If you want to see some really old posts, that might be fun. Learn about her history on her blog. Sure, sure. And then that's it. So you guys, thanks so much for listening to Big Little Life with Dash. We got to have you sometime for our other podcast about relationships. Dad, Dad oh, wants Scott yeah. to come on. Would Scott you. come? Oh, you guys, people, yes. You he would? would come? He, yeah, we could for sure talk him into it, but we have like... People, where our banter is pretty comical. Like, sweet, we That's are so opposite. All it is. It's people write in their questions about relationships or 
little fights that they're having and we take sides essentially. Scott never, let's just say this, he never thinks about what this conversation is going to do to his evening later. <laughs> like, I'm like, what, wait, why did you tell people that? We <laughs> need you so guys funny. on the schedule then. Yeah, yeah for sure. Okay, sure. good. Well, this won't be the last time we hear from Oakley and hopefully. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, our great. pleasure. Okay, we'll see you guys. We'll talk to you guys next time.